and welcome to the color episode. Today we will talk about what colors to pick when choosing a gemstone, how you can add color to your jewelry collection and still maintain a cohesive feel, where to start this perhaps daunting project and how to know which colors to choose. We will talk about what you can do to ensure that the colored gemstones don't take over completely and overshadow the rest of your jewelry. And if you can combine all the colors of the rainbow, just like that. You are listening to The Jewelry Podcast, a podcast I started early this year because I felt the need for a space where we could talk about fine jewelry and gemstones in a simple way and demystify an industry that used to be quite closed and secretive. If you just found this podcast, I want to give you a warm welcome. Please hit the subscribe button if you like what you hear, and you will be the first to find out when there is a new episode out. Each week there is a new episode, but we might also release bonus episodes. My name is Cecilia, and I am your host on this podcast adventure. I am also the founder and designer of the fine jewelry brand Mumbai Stockholm, often called just Mumbai for short. And I love gemstones, and I know that many of you who listen do too. The challenge with gemstones is that not only should you fall in love with them, you are also meant to wear them, which means you have to put in some extra thought Because how do you pick stones that go with the rest of your closet without ending up with an impersonal jeweler box of only white diamonds, perhaps with the odd champagne or black diamond or an inherited blue sapphire? Well, there are worse fates, but bear with me. Perhaps after this episode, you will be a bit closer to an answer. In this episode, I will go through my best tips on how to add some color to your fine jewelry collection, sprinkled with gemstone trivia, color theory, and answering a listener question that we received. I also said, bear with me, because this will be a longer episode. We got a lot of ground to cover, and that is also why I am calling it the color episode. I hope I will catch and keep your attention so that you stay with me for the full episode or perhaps divide it up and listen to the episode on two separate occasions. One final thing before we dive into this magical rainbow world. If you are new to the world of fine jewelry and gemstones and perhaps haven't seen a real precious stone in real life, head out on town perhaps while listening to this episode and do some window shopping And take your time looking at the pieces on display in the storefronts of your local vintage jeweler. You will get the live experience of the magic I'm talking about. And why I am recommending a vintage shop is that because back in the day, they used quite large gemstones, at least in pieces that were valuable and meant to last long enough to be resold. This is the next best thing if you don't have access to a goldsmith or gemstone trader that can show you how new and freshly cut gemstones look. And with that, I hope you will learn a lot in this episode. Let's get the show on the road. Color. What an incredibly exciting topic. Also a topic connected to a lot of emotion. 
You might even be aware that there is an entire branch of psychology on the topic, color psychology. It is not a coincidence that items on sale carry red tags, that most banks have blue logos, and that organic grocery labels tend to be green. Because color communicates emotions in the same way that images do, and often carry more impact than words. There have even been studies showing that advertisements in color are being read more than those in black and white. So if you want to evoke a reaction with your jewelry, pick strong colors or very large stones if you prefer the lighter colors. If you want to blend in, choose black or white or shades as close to the two as possible. For example, very light or very dark hues. And that is the hard part though, choosing A fact that might relieve some pressure from the situation is that we tend to gravitate to colors we like, consciously or subconsciously, when we see it. So if you like or love a stone, it is probably because it is a color you like on other things too. But because you don't just want your sparkling gems to lie around on your bedside table, like the healing crystals we talked about the last episode, you also want to wear them And they sort of have to go with the rest of your style and clothes and accessories and perhaps even your favorite shade of nail polish and the dog leash. That bit about the dog leash was a joke or wasn't it? What I'm saying is, besides wanting to love a piece, we want it to work and fit together with the rest of our collection. Or at least those of us with a limited budget do. This even includes myself, who actually owns a jewel brand. Even I have to put in some thought about how a new piece will work with the rest of my private collection. And all of these aspects make me think about interior design. Because exactly like a jewelry collection, interior design is quite static. You don't change a couch just like that. And you don't change a diamond solitaire. If you bought it, you kind of have to live with it for a while. You can, of course, sell it later on but usually at a discount. And also, after a while, you start getting attached to that couch and that sparkling solitaire. So you want it to work with the rest of your home, the couch that is. Diamonds work with all furniture. And here I am going to tell you a story. When me and my boyfriend celebrated our one-year anniversary, I booked us into this amazing boutique hotel in Stockholm called Ethem, or a home in English. It's got this homey, warm vibe to it, you know, where you chat to the other guests and get to know the chef by name. And each room is decorated as a combined bed and living room. And anyhow, whilst my better half was lounging in his plush bathrobe, drinking whiskey, eating artisan liquorice and just enjoying life, I started to leaf through one of the books lying around in our room. A very cozy room, I might add, with a low bench filled with coffee table books. And I am one of those people who can really get sucked into a book at a friend's house if I find something interesting. And this was exactly the same situation all over again. And this time, I had found a book on interior design by Swedish Frida Ramstedt. It was written in a simple, no-nonsense way that I just loved. The intro was basically just... Most interior magazines will tell you how to decorate a turn of the century apartment with four meters stucco ceilings or a charming barn conversion in the countryside. 
but no one tells you how to decorate the more normal places. With more modest headspace and dark nooks and crannies needing some tender love and care that most of us live in. And that is why she wrote a book on how to decorate an average home. In that book, she spent an entire chapter on color. How to add color to your home in a way that makes it feel cozy and harmonious and create an ambience so that you just want to hang in every room. When I read that, I saw a lot of parallels to jewelry. In particular, there is one specific rule that you should always bear in mind when picking the colors of your pieces. It is all about adding color to your ring stack or jewelry collection that makes the colors blend and create harmony rather than causing a disruption and competing with each other. I don't know how it was when you moved away from home for the first time, but when I did... I thought you added color by throwing some bright pillows on your couch or perhaps do a feature wall in a bold color. But quite soon you realize that that isn't enough. The space still isn't cozy and those bright pillows kind of hurt your eyes so you end up hiding them in the closet. Kind of like if the majority of your jewelry collection is yellow gold and white diamonds and on a whim you buy a bold purple sapphire ring on auction. And then you start to think about how to match that ring with your other jewelry. Because every time you wear it, it completely overshadows all the other pieces. The solution to the pickle, both in the living room and on your fingers, is actually quite simple. What you need is more shades or nuances to bridge the contrast between the strong color and the neutral base. And this phenomenon has given rise to a, these days, quite well-known formula called the 60-30-10 rule. In interior design, that translates into something like this. In a living room, 60% of the room is big things like walls, floors, perhaps a couch or other large pieces of furniture. On these items, pick one or two main colors that you stick to. 30% is made up of perhaps a rug or a feature wall, the curtains a sideboard, or why not a reading chair? For these items, pick colors that harmonize with your two main colors, that are reasonably close in color. It is their job to lift the primary colors you have chosen. And the remaining 10% is made up of the accessories, like art, pillows, and decorative items. And here you can go bananas with one to two contrast colors. If you do this... It will be much easier to create a balance and harmony amongst your color and the room will feel a lot more pleasant. This is also why it might be a good idea to go with a white that isn't pure white for your walls because it helps you bridge the gap to the next color you add. The company Faro & Ball are the master of the non-white whites. Check out their Wimborne White, for example, which my apartment is painted in and which they describe as just off-white, with a tiny fraction warm yellow, giving it a softer vibe. Perfect if you also want to add, for example, a dusty pink or beige to your room. And Faro and Ball also have another white called Strong White, a neutral white with grey undertones. Perfect if you are going for an industrial vibe with a lot of greys. And back to jewellery. If you want to create a colourful jewellery collection that still looks cohesive, apply the same formula. Actually, when I think about it, 
it is pretty much exactly how my own private collection is created. As an example, if you choose white as your primary color for your jewelry collection, 60% of your pieces should have white stones. But you can also pick another primary color, let's say champagne. So 60% of your collection should be white and champagne. Then 30% should be of a color that harmonizes with those two colors and enhances them, complementary colors. If we start with white, what harmonizes with white? Well, all colors with a lot of white in them, which is all light colors. Light colors are light just because they have a lot of white in them. So then we have light blue, light pink, light yellow. You get the picture. But say we go for light green. And then we have to pick a color to go with a soft beige sparkling champagne diamonds. Perhaps a medium brown? That is a few shades darker than beige. So we decide on delicious chocolate-colored diamonds. And this means we have a jewelry collection that is 90% made up of white, champagne, brown and light green gemstones. Sounds pretty nice, eh? This also means that in the morning you can pick whatever pieces you get your hands on, as if you were playing ring roulette, and you know they will all work together. And it is exactly these 90% that constitute your jewelry wardrobe staples, like we talked about in episode 6. And the remaining 10% then? Well, those are all your showpieces in exciting contrast colors or odd color combinations that you mix and match with the rest of your collection when you want to spice things up. It could be that vintage piece you bought at auction or the one-of-a-kind ring with a unique stone in an unusual color that is a different style from what you normally wear. It's like that fancy decorative pillow or throw in your living room that you change regularly when you get tired of it but bring back every now and then. Then there is another thing about the 60-30-10 rule. It is that in interior design... In addition to the 60-30-10 colors, you should bring in some black, because the black enhances the colors you have chosen to work with. Again, you don't have to go with a black black, but an off black also does the trick and can be softer to work with. I think that addition of black translates into adding white into your jewelry collection. To all the clients I help combine rings, I always give the advice that they should always add some, something white to their stack. So if white isn't one of the colors you've chosen, add some white sparkle to tie it all together. For example, if your primary color is dark blue and you match it with dark purple and forest green, green and purple are both next to blue on the color wheel, I think it is important that you also add some white stones or perhaps black, if you work with only very light colors. And fun fact, it is exactly with this little white detail in mind that I designed our eternity rings, because then I got to hide a little white diamond in every one, a hidden gem. So, of the 52-ish, depending on your size, ring size, diamonds that wrap around the ring, one is white. And it's there to lift and enhance the other stones that may be champagne, blue, pink or any other color. Often this also isn't diamonds, but it could be sapphires or tourmalines or some color. But white sparkles lights up and enhances all other colors in the eternity band. 
And with that lesson in color theory, we are finally ready to get to the part about picking colors and where to start. One approach is to go back to nature. What color combos exist organically in nature? Well, brown, green and blue. Earth, plants, the sky and the ocean. They are colors that often feel natural and that many people are drawn to, myself included. And that is perhaps why the most popular color combo of our Trinity Ring edit, after all white edit, is light brown and olive green. That is champagne diamonds and olive green sapphires, like the leaves and the twigs. And this sort of takes us nicely into the next tip, if you don't know where to start. And that is to think about the neutral colors. Because the neutral colors can all be combined with each other without clashing. And the colors that you typically call neutral are black, white, beige, blue, grey and military green. That is also why you say that if you have a home that is predominantly white and beige, the first colors you should start to add are, for example, green in the shape of green plants and brown through wooden details. Because they are both neutrals that will blend in really well. Another approach is to do a quick color analysis in the mirror. After all, you are going to wear the jewelry. Look at the combination of your hair, eye and skin color, but also open up your closet and see what colors appear frequently there. And for example, amongst your makeup and nail polish, are you noticing a theme? The fourth way of approaching the situation is through color psychology and look at the meaning of the colors. This is very common in marketing and branding, for example. It comes as no surprise that McDonald's pick the colors red and yellow as these colors increase appetite. So then, why not be proactive, I think, and decide what colors and vibes you want to surround yourself with. For example, in your interior design choices or your jewelry collection. Exactly what emotions you associate with what color differs from person to person, who we are and what experiences we carry in our baggage. But I thought I'd go through some general color theory and you can see if you agree. And to hit two birds with one heliodor, yellow, named after the Greek word helios, meaning sun, I will also mention the gemstones that come in that color. White. White symbolizes purity, harmony and innocence. It is the color of honesty, peace and freedom. It is also the base of all other colors. Gemstones in white are topaz, diamond, white sapphire, rock crystal and the organic gemstone pearl. Black, the color of strength, sophistication, power and elegance. Black is the color that gives all other colors their depth and saturation. It is sometimes also seen as the color that releases aggression and fear. Gemstones in black are, for example, black diamond, black spinel, black tourmaline and onyx. Brown is a color that instills calm, stability and comfort. It is down to earth and is grounding. But it is also the colors of resilience and fertility And according to color psychology, it represents masculinity. Gemstones in brown are different shades of diamonds, like coffee, champagne or chocolate, smoky quartz and the organic 
amber. Beige. Beige is a color that instills calm and that you say resets everything to a positive starting point. In short, it is the color that neutralizes. I call beige diamonds champagne because there is nothing beige about them. Gemstones in beige are champagne diamond, champagne morganite, champagne topaz. Gray. Gray, like beige, is a color that neutralizes all other colors and creates a sense of calm, stability and safety. And finding gray gemstones is tricky. There are rare gray diamonds and salt and pepper diamonds. And there are steel gray and steel blue spinels. Oh, and gray pearls, of course. Pink. Pink represents youth, innocence and playfulness. It is the color that symbolizes love and compassion. And if brown represents the masculinity within color psychology, pink stands for femininity. And perhaps that is why light pink and light brown go so well together, I think. And pink also stands for hope. Gemstones in pink are, for example, sapphires come in all shades of pink. There are pale pink morganites, bright pink tourmalines. There are spinels that are pink with gray undertones, opal, coral, and the dark pink broadlight garnets. Green. It is said that green is the color that is most easy to like. Perhaps it isn't that strange as green symbolizes calm and harmony, which is why many hospitals are painted in pale shades of green. Green is a very positive color connected to nature, youth and health. It symbolizes growth, freshness, fertility, stability and endurance. Gemstones in green are emerald, sapphire, all shades from olive to pea green, tourmaline, peridot and chrysoberyl. Blue. Blue is the color that soothes us. It's the color of the sky and the ocean. They say that it is the color for those seeing stability and calm. It symbolizes inspiration and wisdom. Sapphires come in all shades of blue. We have also heat-treated white topazes. The blue topazes do occur naturally in some places, but this is extremely rare. But when white topazes are heat-treated, they can become blue. And there are steel blue spinels, dark blue slash purple tanzanites, and turquoises. Red. Red is the color that draws attention to itself. From an evolutionary point of view, it is the color of survival. Blood helps us to discover injuries, and we are drawn to heat. Today, red is used to warn us about dangers. For example, the red light at a pedestrian crossing or fire trucks. Red causes us to alert our senses, and it is no coincidence that it is used in cells. But you also say that red has an uplifting effect and heightens our energy levels and gives us strength. Because it is such a bold color that triggers a lot of emotions, it is the color of passion. Gemstones in red are ruby. Red is actually one of the hardest colors to find naturally occurring. And that is why beautiful, saturated, clear red rubies are as expensive or more expensive than diamonds of the same size.
Yellow. Yellow is the color of confidence, willpower, and opulence. If you need to gather strength to go through something life-changing or the courage to believe in yourself, then this is the color for you. It is the color of optimism and courage. And yellow gemstones are citrine, heliodor, sapphire, and canary diamonds. Purple. Purple is a color associated with spirituality, mysticism, fantasy, and creativity. It is also the color of courage, royalty, nobility, and wealth. And gemstones in purple are lavender sapphires, amethysts ranging from light lavender to dark deep purple. We have spinels and the purple blue tanzanite. And now that you know this, you can use this knowledge when you combine colors. At the start of the year, we for example, held an online auction with jewelry where we had combined black and green gemstones to represent health and strength going into the new year. And the interesting thing about color is that even physically, the way we perceive color is through various levels of energy. So for some physics 101, light consists of energy traveling in waves. And white light consists of all wavelengths simultaneously. And if the light isn't white, it means that something is preventing some wavelengths. In the case of gemstones, this typically is because of some kind of impurity in the rock. For example, rubies and sapphires are made from the mineral corundum, which on its own is colorless, like white diamonds. But rubies are red because of traces of chromium in the corundum structure, causing the stone to appear red. If there are other substances that have snuck into the corundum, the stone will be of a different color. For example, if there are traces of chromium, iron and titanium, the stone will be purple, lavender sapphire. And as you know, all other colors of corundum, besides red, are called sapphire. So to answer the question, are there green rubies? No, there are not, but there are green sapphires. And fun fact number one, the name ruby derives from the Latin word rubinus, meaning red. And fun fact number two is that red light is the light with the highest energy of all the colors. Purple is the lowest. And this is really how most gemstones get their color. Besides the corundum example we mentioned above, other elements that give precious stones their different colors are, for example, copper, nickel, and cobalt. And these traces of other elements is often what you use to identify gemstones. When you look at which substance causes the color of a gemstone, it is easy, well, easy for a gemologist, to see which gemstone it is. Because it isn't always the same element that causes the same color in different gems. For example, in emeralds, which is a type of beryl and not a corundum, it is chromium that makes the beryl green, while chromium in the corundum makes it red, which turns it into a ruby. And in diamond, the fancy yellow, pink or brown color often comes from nitrogen. We won't delve deeper into this, not in this episode at least, but it might be a good time to point out the difference of color in gemstones 
and the importance of color in gemstones as it is often a huge factor in determining the price. The fact is, color is so important, it is one of the biggest reasons gemstones are artificially manipulated in a lab, after they are mined. The most common post-mining treatments that gemstones undergo are made to improve or enhance their color. For example, pearls are often bleached to lighten their color and make sure that they are of a similar color to other pearls that will go in the same necklace, for example. And topazes are often colored because most topazes are naturally clear. Heat treatment is the most common manipulation of the gemstones we buy, like aquamarine, morganite, tourmaline, sapphires and even diamonds. Radiation is also common, where the goal is to change the color of the stone. With radiation, especially in combination with heat treatment, you can achieve almost all the colors of the rainbow. For example, most fancy colored diamonds you see on the market, the canary or hot pink marvelous sparklers, started out as colorless, but were then radiated and heat treated. We won't go deeper into that now, I thought I'd let my gem expert talk about this in a coming episode, so hit that subscribe button. But when we at Mumbai look for gemstones to buy, we are searching for natural stones that have undergone as little treatment as possible. Also, if you find an amazing natural gemstones that you love, don't wait around, because the color may be unique and you may not find another one like it ever again. I would also like to mention that the cut of a stone is super important to how the color of a gemstone is perceived. An expert stone cutter can see how the light shifts within the raw crystal and choose the angles at which he cuts it to preserve and enhance the color the most. Often, you want as high of a saturation as possible, because that is when a gem brings home the big bucks. A green stone should be a deep green, not a watered-down green. Now that we have gone through all that theory and gained a lot of new knowledge and perhaps a few insights, you may wonder, but how does that help me know where to start? Well, often you can't buy an entire jewelry collection at the same time, unless you are a billionaire or the Queen of England. Her jewelry collection is amazing. You have to start somewhere. So here are two, yes, only two, concrete tips that can help you choose which color to pick for your first colored piece. Number one, use the gold color. Pieces with white diamonds aren't just white. They also have a secondary color in the color of the metal. If you are a yellow gold person, there is always a warm undertone in your pieces. So then, our recommendation is to go with a warm color. For example, yellow is a warm color. This means you can have your pick from the yellow, cognac, brown end of the scale to warm pinks. Remember the tip about choosing colors that were close to each other? If you already have white diamonds in your pieces, go for something close to white. Champagne is a great first color to go for. Not only is it gorgeous, it is also warm so that it works with the yellow gold and it is close to white on the color scale. If your collection is white, gold and diamond so far, perhaps you should start with a cold color. Blue is perfect or a cold green. But you can also choose warm shades of blue for your yellow gold ring, like olive green or warm royal blue. 
I think red and pink go equally well with either color of gold. Number two. Another tip is one we talked about earlier. Start with one of the three main colors in nature, green, blue or brown. A lot of our clients actually do this subconsciously. A good rule of thumb in color matching is that most colors work with these three. I mean, nothing looks bad against the sky or the leafy greens of a forest. So if you start with one of these three, you can be confident that any other shade or color you throw into the mix will work, like lipstick, nail polish, clothes, etc. You will also struggle to become tired of your pick if you go for any of these three colors. Which shade or nuance you should go for depends a little bit on what you already have or want to combine your new piece of jewelry with. If it's white or black diamonds, start with light shades of blue, green or brown, like for example champagne, if you want to pair it with white. Or start with dark blue, green or brown, like chocolate, if you are pairing them with black diamonds. The key is to create harmony in your collection. The most common mistake is to do mainly white and then add a really strong bold color without any shades in between to bridge. So if you want to buy that purple and green vintage stunner on auction, think about whether you can also add something to your collection which has light green or purple in it, bridging that vintage piece with the rest of your collection. And here I thought it would be appropriate to start a listener question. This past weekend, we got a question from a girl who wondered how best to combine her Trinity ring. She has a Trinity ring similar to our Edith, but from a different brand. And for new listeners, a Trinity ring is a ring with three quite large, usually diamonds in the middle and then just a simple gold band. And usually the center diamond or gemstone is a bit bigger than the two on the sides. Now she's looking at a curved band with small gemstones to stack with this trinity ring. And her question was about how to think if she wants to add color gemstones to the stacking ring, since the trinity ring was all white. My best tip in this situation... If you don't wish the stacking band to steal the show from your trinity ring but rather to highlight it, is to add some color to the curved band but keep the majority of the gemstones white. For example, if the stacking ring has seven stones in it, maximum three should be of a color, the rest should be white. The fewer color stones, the less contrast. And the closer to white they are, the less the stacking ring will steal the show from your trinity ring. I hope this answer will help you choose. I want to finish off with my four best quick tips, because I had only two before, for adding color to your jewelry collection. The first one is, if you want to evoke a reaction with your jewelry, pick a color. If you want to blend in, pick black or white or very close to like champagne, pale pink or dark navy blue. But the more attention you want to draw to your jewelry, the further you should stay away from black and white. Think bold, like hot pink, bright green or sunflower yellow. And the jewelry for these might be one of a kind statement, oh my god, conversation starter rings. My second tip is play with color. Color associations can be your way of giving out tiny hints about your feelings and interests. 
Did she pick a bluestone because she loves the ocean or because she is one of those calm yoga types? Is he wearing a green gemstone ring because he is a vegetarian? Is she wearing a red one because she is a drama queen? And these could be the jewelry that are part of your wardrobe essentials that you wear every day. Third tip, use color to guide people's attention. If you want them to look at your awesome power ring, rather than your chipped I needed a manicure a month ago nails, pick a bold color for that power ring. If you rather want to show off your freshly made French manicure, pick subtle colors like white and champagne. And my fourth tip, have a solid foundation to work with. Use the 60-30-10 rule and build your collection. That will make the 10% of bold contrast colors in the form of statement pieces to really stand out and work with the rest of your collection. I hope you found this episode as exciting as I did. It turned out to be a long one, but I hope that you divided your listening into parts if you felt more like doing a sprint than a marathon and that you felt like you found some gems of wisdom to bring with you on your jeweler journey. Because the more you know, the more educated choices you can make when building your own collection. And if you don't know if you will like wearing color jewelry, a good way to find out is by buying your first color piece at auction or in a vintage shop. There you can often find one-of-a-kind standout pieces at more humane prices, and you know you can resell it if you don't like it. Many people think that jewelry with colored gemstones would be cheaper because it isn't diamonds, but that is not the case. Often the supply of colored gemstones is lower than that of diamonds, partly because a unique color may only occur in a specific mine with extraordinary conditions, but also because the supply chain isn't as developed. So it is more detective work for the jeweler to find good colored stones than it is to find white diamonds. That is why high quality colored gemstones can cost the same or more as their diamond counterparts. So it's good to take color for a test run before you jump in the deep end and buy that amazing ruby. You can also Ask your relatives if they are willing to lend you some of their color pieces to try out while you're hanging around at their, at their home. And when you decide to take the plunge and buy that color pieces, listen to episode two for some good tips. And remember, you often find a lot of clues to what you really like in your closet and amongst your interior design choices, amongst your saved images on Instagram and amongst the colors you are immediately drawn to. If you want to share your color journey with me, slide into my DMs on Instagram, either The Jewelry Designer or Jewelry Podcast. A massive thanks for being with me today and good luck. And remember, you deserve fine jewelry. 